Man, you guys should have seen a person sitting next to me. She was yibbering and yabbering about all the stuff that was going on on screen, even in the trailers. Like, oh, look, it's the mummy. Oh, look, it's Tom Cruise. Oh, look, it's Star Wars. But not like before the trailer started. Like, during. Oh, it's R2-D2 going beep boop. And then she's like, hey, it's Star Wars. It's like, good night. And, and sitting worst. right next to me. Did that the whole time through the trailers and then back me and up. Then, she was yes. sitting right in front of you. Oh, yeah. Behind she, you. Yeah, she was sitting right behind me. And every single time anything remotely funny happened, she was the person that laughed way too hard for way too long. Like, everybody has that person in their friend group. And it was just like, this is now not funny anymore. Please well, But she stop. can't be too mad because it's like, yeah, she's enjoying the movie the way she's enjoying the movie. Yeah. So I can't be mad, but I will be annoyed because it was annoying. Well, I hope that didn't ruin your experience of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. <gasps> it did not. So uh, who are you guys? Well, I'm Josh Birch, <laughs> an analyst from Nashville, and I'm doing this out of order. <laughs> I'm Benj. I'm also an analyst here in Nashville, and I'm a rad dad. I'm Rick Fox. I'm an aspiring author, and I am Groot. I'm Chris. I'm a filmmaker from Nashville, Tennessee, <laughs> and you can call me Laserface. And we're, we're opinionated. And we just saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. So, guys, uh, so we've we've all we're all Marvel fans here, yeah. So we're all pretty excited for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. I knew I was. I was super amped for this because Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One might be my favorite Marvel movie. The the first one blew me out of the water. I wasn't sure what to expect going into this one. Um, the trailers for this one really didn't have me hyped up. So I was going into it hoping that they could come out of it with a movie that blew me away as much as the first one did. But I, w I wasn't sure going into it. Well, we should say, going, go ahead and say here, like if you are listening to this and you're worried about spoilers, there won't be any until a very clear midpoint. Yeah, there will be a very clear, hey, we're going to start doing spoilers now, so don't worry about that. Um, personally, me going into this movie, I was I was cautiously optimistic. Uh, the The first movie was really fun. It was it was a lot of uh, it was a lot of solid humor that I hadn't seen anything like uh, come out of the Marvel Universe thus far. Um, it kind of reminded me a lot of the way that Iron Man just kind of landed and changed the way that we looked at this kind of film series. So, you know, uh, I was I was cautiously optimistic, though, because, uh, you know, with sequels, things can go wrong very easily, and especially yeah. with something that is as um, unique as Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one felt. So, you know, I, I was hoping it would be able to do as well as the first one did, but at the same time, like, I didn't want to get my hopes up super high and then get disappointed. Yeah. I, I was also cautiously optimistic. Um, I mean, because the first Guardians of the Galaxy was so refreshing, because it's like, uh, like Rick said, is like it was kind of, kind of put a Marvel movie and a superhero movie, even though it's not necessarily a superhero movie, uh, kind of like, gave it a different vibe, a different feeling more so than any of the other Marvel movies that have come out. I enjoyed it. There are some things that were a little, uh, did not enjoy about it, but as a whole, I thought it was really good. It was really well done. And it, well, built you can't on do that much about someone who's shouting stuff in the middle of the theater binge. So maybe let's, let's segment that out of the room. Well, no, well, no, no, no. It, like, <laughs> also, before, before, we, before we, get we get too far, thoughts, yes. we should probably cover some specs about the movie. This movie came out uh, tonight, actually. 
little, little podcast humor for you there. But since you're listening in the future, um, it came out on May the 4th. In 2017. All right. Yeah, that that is technically true. I was I was wrong. Doesn't happen very often. There's first for everything. Uh, it is a uh, 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. It was directed and written by James Gunn, and it stars Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Dave Bautista, Bradley Cooper, Vin Diesel, and Michael Rooker. Set to the backdrop of awesome mixtape number two, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two continues the team's adventures as they unravel the mystery of Peter Quill's true heritage. So, like Rick stated earlier, this is the non-spoiler section. After the trailer, that music that will play a little later, we will definitely dive into major story development. So, if you don't want it spoiled for you, maybe tune out after the next couple of minutes when you hear the trailer music. Uh, better to just shut off your podcast completely and just go see the movie for yourself but guys what did y'all think of guardians of the galaxy volume 2 what are your just initial reactions i really liked it i thought it was a lot of fun i think that they took a lot of the things that made guardians of the galaxy volume 1 really really work and kept those things while developing some themes more solidly in this one i think that they uh did a better much better job with the overall story and not just the individual fun of the scene individual scenes I would say that in in a lot of respects, I definitely agree with that perspective. I think that the pieces seem to fit together a little a little better in terms of like the specific theming they were going for in this installment. Um, but it, I don't have the overwhelmingly positive reaction that I had to volume one. I had a great time. I loved this movie. But it's also like when I left volume one, I was just so just like struck from the side like what on earth was that like uh, movies are amazing to me again like I, <laughs> I, I i seriously like it was everything i wanted a movie to be volume one it i'll admit that it had some small pacing issues particularly in the first act of that version mm-hmm. uh this film i think actually had more significant pacing issues uh but it's also balanced out by some really strong theming that really comes together well in the third act so you know it's there's a balancing act that i'm kind of still working through in my brain i think honestly for me at least it's a movie that will get better on rewatches because now that i know what's going on throughout the whole movie i can think back to what they were doing at the beginning of it and see where they were going with it but because it's a story that is in a lot of ways very dissimilar to what marvel has done so far i didn't really know i I had it took me a while to grab on and kind of catch on to where they were going with what they were doing and that kind of thing and once i did i was really on board but before that i also felt like it was a little oddly paced i i think that the point that it's a little different from what marvel has done so far is a great point because i think this movie directly addresses some problems that a lot of Marvel fans have had with some other Marvel installments so far, and it does a really good job with some of those complaints, which we'll get into more in depth in the spoiler section. We might talk a little bit about it here, but we've kind of glanced over uh, Josh and Ben here as well. Guys, what did y'all think of the movie? I wasn't blown away. Uh, I, I thought it was okay. There, there were a number of scenes that I really enjoyed, but I thought the film as a whole didn't really hold up, especially not compared to the previous one. Um, I, I would agree that it felt like there was a central theme that was carried throughout the entire movie. Um, but I thought that the way they executed on that theme felt, uh, felt weak in a lot of places. Um, and, and, and I think for me, that was because of some of the dialogue that was written where in the first one, you have all of these different characters that are, that are very much, um, 
they're they're very strong in their characteristics and they're very different from each other uh and the way that they interact with each other feels very organic and in this one it felt forced to me in a lot of situations um and so i i enjoyed it but i i don't know if i'd go buy it or anything like the the first one is definitely like that's a you know sitting on my shelf like you said watch it on a saturday when i want to watch something fun i can't can't say the same about this one I really enjoyed it. I thought it was. I thought it was really good. Um, there are certain aspects of this one of that they enhanced um, from the from volume one, but there it just felt like some of the things in there were just shoved in. Uh, like it's, it had a little, almost too much going on at certain points, and they were trying to like, okay, well, we need to connect all these pieces together and let's make a huge puzzle that's kind of lopsided, um, almost. Uh, like, I mean, I can understand where they were going and what they were trying to say, but it they added in a lot of stuff that I didn't necessarily feel was necessary. I, I actually agree with a lot of y'all's negative points a lot, but I'm a little, I think I'm a little less negative about them than y'all seem to be uh, because I think they just stick the landing in the third act so oh, hard. Yeah. Like the, the third act of this movie is super fun and it also has a lot of heart. But the first two acts really like I feel like they really do struggle under the weight of some mm-hmm. editing and pacing issues, which are going to make it really hard for uh, especially a casual film goer, I think, to to trudge through. And to me, I sort of have the opposite response. You do, Rick, that I'm not going to want to rewatch it as as thoroughly as I've rewatched volume one, even though volume one thematically is a far simpler movie. It is executed so well as a story that is being told Although maybe it is a weaker story. No, absolutely to me. The first movie is a far better told story, whereas this one is a better story overall. I I, I disagree because of significant issues that I have with the first one. And they're significant issues that I have with a lot of uh, Marvel movies where, you know, it's we have a a villain that's barely there who isn't particularly threatening. We have, you know, the the standard uh, we're going to blow up the planet ending um, but those that, are but those are story <laughs> issues, not storytelling issues. They are storytelling issues in my mind because they are poorly executed versions of those stories. There are versions of that story that I really enjoy and I'll rewatch again and again. But especially when Marvel had done them so many times to put them back into another movie, it was one of the reasons that I honestly don't go back and rewatch Guardians of the Galaxy, the original one, all that often personally. Now, I'm not saying that like every time it's on, I have a great time watching it, but it's popcorn to me. Like uh, it, There's nothing about it that has particular substance for me. They're fun jokes. I enjoy hearing those jokes, but at the end of the day, it's very light humor and it's very light watching that's why i think it's such a good saturday morning like i don't want to pay attention movie you can just tune in for the the bits that you particularly enjoy and tune back out and i think it's really interesting that they did not choose to go that direction with this movie with this movie i feel like there is a much stronger theme and i feel like they made a much better story because they decided to take it away from that uh very light very poppy feel Although I completely disagree with your analysis of volume one, I will say that I do applaud how you point out that the villain in this film is stronger. Uh, there's, there's a lot of different antagonists that are floating through this movie, but I think that they do a really good job of addressing a problem with the MCU, which is one note villains. This movie does a really good job of providing a character that you get to know on a personal level and you, you, you sort of like, 
it's just very engaging. It, there's not a lot else that you can say about it without spoiling it, but it is just really, it, it is really enjoyable to watch the events unfold in a very large part because of the antagonists that are in play in this film. It, it, true, but at the same time, I think the way that they handled that in this film, yes, yes, protagonists are are definitely stronger in this one, as in stronger characters, not not just abilities, right? But at the same time, I feel like they have a, a real problem with focus in this film. I agree where, with that. Where it, feel, it, feel, it, it feels like it's constantly jumping between points um, and and it feels like it wants us to give weight to a lot of different things going on at the same time when really what they should be doing is focusing on this one that's happening and completely See, disregarding the rest. Like I don't, it, it's I, jumping around. It, it doesn't have the focus that it needs. The, the thing that you're saying right there is why I think this movie will benefit strongly from rewatching. I think that on rewatching it, the, the things that don't make sense if you're this is your first or don't feel uh as well tied together the first time you're watching it will feel much more coherent and much stronger uh cohesion wise the second time you watch it when you're not trying to think what's going to happen next and you're not trying you're not being surprised by elements that are coming in i don't 100 percent correct me if i'm wrong think that's what you were getting at because if your reaction was the way i had it i would have this reaction where a scene would be playing out drama would be building up then a character would drop this one-liner bomb and it's just like oh what and then it cuts away to something else and i'm just like whoa no like go back this is this isn't television i don't want the episode to end here i want to stay in that moment until that scene naturally like plays into whatever we need to experience next uh, it doesn't feel like the transitions from scene to scene in this movie worked very well there yeah. were several moments where i was just like no we should stay over here for a little longer <laughs> we haven't been there long enough to be satisfied by that sequence and it'll just cut away and in the first two acts i think that that's actually a really big problem which and, and i get what you're saying but I, I i disagree i think maybe for some people rewatching it is going to make it a better movie but for me like I, I can't go into what some of the specific themes are because i feel like that would spoil portions of the movie but once you identify those it's it's not something super complex like the, the a lot of the themes running through this movie are not super deep ones I mean, it's a Marvel movie. There's not a lot of deep, complex themes in Marvel movies. Right, and that's fine. But that means that when you when you have that theme, you have to execute on it really well. I think and they I did. I don't feel like they did. I feel like it was way too jumpy, and they didn't focus where they needed to. Well, they it executed well as far as the they got it to the end and made did really well with it. Like Chris was saying in the third act, leading up to it's very choppy and it's just like okay, well here's this oh now here's this oh now here's the thing. See, the <laughs> third <laughs> act would have only been stronger if there were more significant hits of it in the first two acts. But, See, but in the third act, my complaint with the first two acts is that it feels it feels like it doesn't have focus that it needs to and it feels jumpy. The third act is a whole lot better, but for me, this is where when I was saying earlier, it feels like a lot of the dialogue that we had in the previous movie that felt organic. I feel like in the third act, although they execute they execute on a lot of things better, if the third act is where for me their dialogue and the way they interact with each other falls apart the most. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's not my that's, response. No, not mine at all. And, and, and I think that's because of the writing. The, like, it, feel, it feels forced. 
I, I disagree completely with the, you saying it feels forced. It does not feel forced at really any point for me. Um, the thing for me is that I also felt like this movie was choppy and unfocused until I picked up on what they were doing. And then to me, everything kind of felt like it smoothed out for me. And maybe that's why I'm, I'm disagreeing with you guys as much as I am. Once, once I realized pretty early in the say in the first act, okay, this is where they're going. I get, I get what they're doing now. I, 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 I enjoyed it a lot more. Um, and so I, I felt my, my, what I had been, I had been very disengaged with the movie up until a certain point when I figured that out. And after that, my engagement kicked back in. And so, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like I picked up on the themes. It, 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 but it doesn't retroactively make me enjoy the first few acts. It only makes me look at it and think, "Oh, I wish that this hit harder." Well, you know? and, and and to Rick's point, I think that there are movies where that where understanding what's going on will make you go back and and reevaluate things that oh, you've yeah. seen previously. The memento like, effect, that's, like that's that's definitely that's definitely the case. It's just for me, that's not the case with this movie. I, I should I should clarify what I think I'm trying to say here. Most Marvel movies, especially lately, have felt very, very samey to me. You can pick up on the specific beats of them playing out real early on, and they pretty much play out very, very similarly all the way through. This one did not have that feel for me, and so it was throwing me off for a long time in the movie until I realized, oh, they're actually finally doing something different than they have in just about every other Marvel movie so far. And to me, that was very important to, to my experience of the movie. Oh, I completely agree with that point. Like it's there. There's at this point, it it would only be a mistake, I think, for Marvel to continue to follow by a formula. And at a certain point, you know, the formula is not bad. But if it becomes something where your audience can start to predict story beats, it is bad because you're no longer presenting unique, fun escapism, which is what Marvel's doing. It's what it's doing well. People use that as a dirty word. There's nothing wrong with escapism. It's simply a type of story. And that's great. That's actually predominantly why people go to the theater. Benji, you haven't said much. Why don't you, uh, you want to chime in here? What are your thoughts? How, how'd you like the movie? Well, I thought there were like, like everybody was saying, there were some pacing issues through the first two acts, uh, did fix itself in the third act. And I thought they tied a really nice bow on this entire movie. Like I enjoyed the movie throughout the entire thing. Um, but there are some, there are some tone issues in this movie. Um, very, very much so. Um, there's a certain scene where you're presented with a very, what is a very gruesome and dark concept. And it's immediately, as soon as it's like, oh, okay, let's start making jokes again. It's like, no, that is an extremely dark thing. Why are you just making a joke out of it immediately after? Like, I, I can understand, like, this is... Like it, it, it felt, it felt like steps between the tone instead of like a wave going up and down. Yeah, exactly. It was like a completely harsh jump from one, like from something extremely dark, and like, oh, let's make fun of this guy because his name is Taserface. Like it, it was, it was so like it didn't, it didn't seem to like. There are a couple instances like that where the tone shifts so dramatically, and so it's like. It's jarring. Yeah, it really is jarring in the fact, like, just being, like, seeing that happen. And it, like... I don't really have that response to the tone because, to me, it was... The tone was very similar to the first film. Like, it was very irreverent. It didn't... It The movie was there to have a good time. Like, the movie itself, almost, I feel like. If it were a living, breathing thing, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 was there to have a good time. And so was Volume 2. But somewhere where I think... 
is sort of along the lines of what you're going with. Not nearly as many of the jokes landed in this one for me. Some landed hard. Like, I think there are some of the best Guardians jokes in this movie to date, Mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, But several, like, I mean, I was in a packed theater and it was not nearly the, like, consistently uproarious laughter that I remember from volume one. Yeah, Arch is pretty loud, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't think I would. Right, see but I couldn't on. tell if that was that if that was the theater, or just the gal next to me. It, I think <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it was the theater. As, as someone who sat a little further away, it was most of the theater. But I could see how uh, that could throw off your perception. Of but, that. but but to agree with Chris, th- there were also a number of the jokes that did not land for me. You know what did, the, did the, land? The jokes though. weren't as consistent as in the first one. You know what did land for me? Baby Which Groot. Were abs- oh my god! The, that Baby Groot. Baby Groot was, Baby Groot was the best. Guys, best part of the movie. Guys, I mean, we're we're all we, we're all human. We can admit Baby Groot is as adorable as all of the merchandising is pretending he is. Oh he yeah, is, he is one hundred percent just the absolute cutest thing oh, that has sure. ever he, he i mean he uh, yeah i i it's, love baby groot and i specifically love the first thing baby Groot does in this movie disproportionately more than almost everything else in the movie yeah. <laughs> you're absolutely correct baby groot is fantastic like i'm i'm very very happy with the way that he came out because you when you're doing something that cutesy it can be really easy to do it in a way that will make you make the audience hate that character and since Groot was it such, could, it could Jar Jar Binks if exactly. you go too far. Definitely. Um, and so, or just you know, like how kid actors are often, you know, kind of hated in in movies. Like that mm. that same kind of feel, I feel like, is what can go wrong. Sit uh, between Home Alone one Macaulay Culkin and Home Alone two Macaulay Culkin. Sure, yeah. Like, <laughs> but in in this movie, Baby Groot is really really fantastic. Just as much as I feel like Groot was the heart of the first film, oh, Baby yeah. Groot is a, in a lot of ways the heart of this one and i think mm-hmm. they do a good job of balancing how much screen time he gets yeah. because i think that if they'd included him in the film more than they did which that's like he's part of the team it's not like he's often away somewhere but the amount of time they spend focused on him i think works if they'd given him more like screen time directed to specifically for him i think it would have gone into that like okay all right we get it he's cute like move on that yeah thing but i they give us just enough. It's perfect. You know how you said like, oh yeah, it's good. Baby Groot didn't get more screen time. There's one character I wish would have had would have had much less screen time, and that would be Drax. I he, sort of no. In the first, I like he Drax. they I, I like him too, but there was just so much. It was just like Dave Batista, please stop. And here's you the thing: need to stop. He's, he's my favorite. No, he, he is. He's but. my favorite. He's my favorite part of volume one, 100 percent. A lot of like, I mean, Groot's a very close second, but I was so shocked by how charmed I was by this random wrestler who is now playing a superhero character. And I I love Drax. I think that his comedy lands so well in volume one and for the most part, very well in volume two. But there are a couple moments where I'm like, they already straight up did that gag. Like yeah. word for word, like we don't need that a second time. Or, but that goes in, that goes like, into my thing about the jokes. Like there are some mm-hmm. jokes that just didn't land. For right. Me. Or oh, this happened already in this movie. Like yeah. And and, and, and again, I don't want to put that to Dave Bautista. That goes back to the I think the writing is not as good as in the first one. The dialogue is not as solid as in the first one. Um, it seemed like they were trying to get more jokes into this movie as opposed to the last one where there's like, okay, let's have jokes and have them be the scene. But this one, they were like, okay, we let's see how many jokes we can fit in this scene. 
I don't agree. I feel like the first movie was almost just a comedy thing with some action stuff sprinkled in. With this one, I feel like uh, what it is is they were trying to do something more serious, but I think they wanted to keep some of the tone of the previous movie. And so the the jokes don't land for me because they it feels like they are doing something more dramatic and then they'll realize, oh, yeah, we're Guardians of the Galaxy. We need to do a joke. And see that I mean I guess that's 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 the way that I'm I'm feeling about that. But I is that I agree not a that problem though? Like it is a problem. Like that that is that is one of the the negatives of the movie. And I think that for me Drax okay. kind of suffers from that because he gets he's kind of a one note character in a lot of ways. And that's sort of the charm of him is right. that he like he has this very specific character and this very specific thing that he does. But I think that if they had they needed to cut like one or two of those jokes out specific to, to make the ones that are there land really well because they yeah. there is at least one scene with Drax that I think is actually very powerful for the dramatic side of things oh but, yeah but it's you don't remember that because it's swamped by a bunch of oh he takes everything literally literally and the thing is that in the first movie it always took me by surprise when he would have a one-liner because you never knew if he was just going to say something then we'll move on next bit but occasionally he would say something and then you would realize he completely got everything wrong because he takes everything literally Literally, and that's when the joke works and this movie those sequences they're not surrounded by events that you could be easily distracted by it's just drex talking to someone and because he's laser focused on them you know like the joke's coming And I think that those particular moments, it doesn't always work quite as well. Although sometimes it it still did for me. I I still am a big Drax fan. And and for me, I think that's that's one of the... So so in the first one, what this should be is character-driven comedy, right? But a lot of the jokes in this one feel like written jokes, right? Like Situational comedy, maybe. Well, well, it's, it's the difference between the first one... And like, let's say a Will Ferrell movie where you can tell all of these jokes where someone sat down with a pen and a pad and wrote out, this would be a funny thing for him to say in this situation. It doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel authentic to their character. It it feels like something that you could excuse their character saying, but it also doesn't feel organic in this situation. No, I don't feel that at all. (laughs) There's some that don't land for me, but it's mainly because a couple of them have been are are a little repeated. Like that's what it is. It's not. It's not to me that it doesn't feel organic. They feel organic to the character, to me at least. But it's it's more of a okay. I've seen Drax do this a couple times. Let's let's do something else. Well, no, I I kind of pick up like I I kind of feel the same way that josh does about is like in the first one whenever he's like oh it just went over your head he's like no nothing can go over my head i'm much too fast that is that is so organic and so like real for that character that is one of my top five favorite comedic bits in any movie when that happened in the theater i just lost it but but in (laughs) like but there's like one scene in this one that it's just like it's an like feels like it's like somebody wrote down like this would be funny if he did this what is like the whenever uh well, we, we can't we can't we're, go we're specific so yeah. well no 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 we can it's, talk no about it's it it's from part. it's from the trailers uh, oh. is whenever Mantis says, oh, you have feelings for her and sexual feelings. Oh, that and he's like, good. That's no, good. That's we're, good. We're, yeah. talking, we're no. talking about two different jokes, though. No, yeah. no, I, no they, these are multiple jokes that happen. Like, 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 that just felt like, okay, that's fine, but then for to continue and continue and continue no, to I, him I, laughing I'm really glad it. that they did that scene. That scene is actually one of my favorites in the thing because it wasn't entirely spoiled by the trailer. I thought it would be because when it 
started to go, I was like, okay, here's the thing. I can tune out for a few minutes, but then they do some other stuff that I did not expect. And so that helped a lot with that scene. We're so speaking of spoilers. Yeah, let's get um, to it. I give it a recommend. It's a super (laughs) fun time at the movies. If you like the first Guardians of Galaxy, I think you're going to really like this one. Um, I think, you know, keep our caveats in mind, but it's hard for me to imagine someone not at least passively liking this one. I think it's a superior movie in a lot of ways to the first one. I do think that there are things that it that the first one did better than this one, but I think as an overall movie for me, this is a much stronger outing. Um, I, I liked the comedy of the first one, but that was about it. Nothing else about that movie really stood out to me other than the comedy and the, the tone of that kind of thing and it being so different from the rest of the Marvel stuff. And this movie, to me, does different from normal Marvel movie even better than that one did, and that's what I really like about it. Yeah, so definitely you recommend do it. recommend it. Definitely, yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Go see it. It's it's fun. This one did a number of things all right. Uh, the first one was a lot better than it. All in all, this one's still like a fun movie to watch. I mean, I, I've kind of crapped on it a little bit um, for, the thing, for, the, for the things that I didn't like. But, but at the same time, like, I still laughed at a lot of the jokes. Like, it's still enjoyable to see. So I... I'd, I'd recommend you go see it. I think I think the 84 Rotten Tomatoes was a fair grade for it. Um, I I, oh, I, oh, I, yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't give it higher than that. Let me say that. But 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 yeah, go go see it. I feel like it was a better put together movie than the first one, but uh, maybe some of the jokes didn't land as well for me um, in this one. But I would totally like just for Baby Groot alone, I would say go see this movie. Like Baby Groot alone is worth the twelve bucks to go see this movie, depending on. It's a Baby Groot for real, it, and it's no trailers that, were necessary, and it's yeah. everything that should be like yeah. in a, an ideal world. <laughs> yes, like they of everything that they could have screwed up, they did that perfect. Yeah, I would totally recommend this movie. Like it was a really fun movie. It was enjoyable. Like I would probably, I'd probably go see it again in theaters at least once more. Yeah, um, definitely. Me too. Uh, also, IMAX 3D, shockingly good. Really? Like, so, like you would not guess watching it 2D, I think. But like James Gunn had this big piece that came out about that. He was like really concerned that he wanted the 3D to be worth it to people. And like I consistently noticed it throughout the movie in a way that enhanced the visuals to me. And like cool. the, I'm excited to point them out in the spoiler section because there's specific action beats that I think were designed for the 3D that are also not distracting because of the 3D that are perfect. So awesome. if you're thinking about that, I would recommend it as well. Well, that's a that's a very resounding everyone says go see it. So yeah. So now right. we're about to talk about spoilers. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a brief pause and we'll be back in just a minute. Spoilers. I see it within you. Fear. Jealousy. Betrayal. It is our duty to cleanse the universe of this weakness. You know, they told me you people were conceited douchebags, but that isn't true at all. Dude. Uh, I'm using my wrong eye. Groot, put your seatbelt on. So we are now in the spoiler section. It counts. Oh, okay. Got, okay. Okay. We niece, we are now cousin. Niece, yeah, that's like a second cousin, I think. Now, or something. I don't know. Now, 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 now. Well, it's appropriate for us to be talking about family since that's what this movie's all about. It, 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 that's the, yeah, that's, that's right. the theme of this movie is family. 
Yeah, like, and I, I, I liked it a lot. Like, the thing for me is that it's, the thing is that, I, I hate that you pointed out that I say that so much, and now the every thing time. Is, the yeah. thing is, well, what is the thing, Rick? <laughs> I want you to tell me what it is. Okay. Like, how is that? We watched eight Fast and the Furious movies, and I never bought the <laughs> team as family thing. Like, it never felt that way to me in those movies. There's specific characters that kind of feel, like, I get that feel going on, but the the team as a whole I don't get that from a lot of times but in this movie I really do get that from a lot of the characters and there's a lot of strong scenes that that sell that for me in ways that I really like and I would not have expected from most Marvel movies I don't entirely agree with the Fast and Furious comparison but I agree with the sentiment that the family theme does really work in this movie that by the end I really do like how the pieces come together but I also think they didn't nail it because so much of the movie they're spent apart and to me like it, it was if it almost felt like at the third act like all right now we're gonna do the family bits and they start talking oh well, we're family and the only real other thread i have to connect that is oh well peter's talking to his dad in this movie so it makes sense to talk about familial bonds but throughout the earlier parts of this movie i it doesn't seem like it's really present to me. It, it's just well, like not between like the other characters, at least like not between Gamora, Rocket, Drax. It's just they're just there, you know, like it, it's not until the end where Peter's in danger. They're like, we're family. I would have liked it if it was it felt if it felt more like a part of the whole. Well, the theme is not specifically them as a family as much as it is family in general. Like you see Gamora dealing with that with her sister. Uh, and you see uh, Rocky dealing with not having any family when he's talking with Yondu. Yeah. And, and like you get all of these bits and pieces of that theme throughout throughout the movie. And then at the end, they tie it in together with them being a family. Now, one of the issues that I have with them bringing it all together at the end, I I buy this family a lot more than I buy the Vin, Di Vin Diesel family in Fast and Furious. Now, I enjoy it for its goofiness in the Fast and the Furious, don't get me wrong, but I buy it here, like these characters, yeah. right? The problem that I have is how explicit they are about them being a family at the end. What I wanted instead is there's only two people who should say that, and that needs to be Quinn and Groot. Those should be <laughs> the only two people who actually say we're a family. Like, Rocket needs to, like, begrudgingly be the younger brother kind of thing. Yeah, like, like begrudgingly be like, fine. Right. <laughs> and, and even Yondu being like, I'm your pa, right? Like, I didn't like, I wanted Quinn I to be. I didn't like, I didn't I like that I wanted Quinn either. to be like, you're the dad that, you, you were my dad. And him to be, him to be like the stoic Clint Eastwood type that's just like, shut up. And then like obviously sacrifice himself. That would make more sense with the context of who Yondu was in the previous movie. In this right. movie, aside from a, a weird heavy drama bit with his first scene, I, I've n I had never gotten the impression that there was anything deeper between Yondu and Peter other than they went on some adventures well, together. Yeah, they, I, and, they do allow it in the first one yeah, because he obviously does defend Quinn, yeah. right? But, but what I want is for him to still feel like that same character that I enjoyed in the first one. See, I did not want that because to me Yondu is one of the big weaknesses of that movie. I don't like him at all in that first movie. Every scene that he's in I wish would be shorter because I'm not enjoying what he's doing. Oh, but in like this him. movie I really enjoyed him a lot more because there was something more than just I'm a hick in a spaceship. Like it 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 felt like it hit a lot harder for me and I was able to go along with it a lot better. But what I want is to be able to pick up on those 
through subtleties in what's going on and the way he's playing this character instead of the just like brute force hits you over the head with the stick of him saying I'm your, I'm I've been your dad all it, along. I mean, they I told only really that got to us instead of showing it and, to and us. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I, I, I completely disagree. I think they showed it to us for a while in the beginning of the movie, like when he's giving when if Rocket is handing him. If you're it effectively, then don't also say it. I don't mind if they say it if you showed it effectively. That uh. to me works fine. Like I the moment the when Rocket gives over the the pack and the the spacesuit, I'm like, oh, okay, I know where where this is going. I like this. They're not, and it's not him saying you're gonna have to give this to Quinn. Like only one of you two can survive, type thing. Yeah, but that that's one moment, and that moment I think is orchestrated very well. But as a part of the whole, it doesn't it it sticks a landing that wasn't set up to me. That the previous thing you're, y'all are talking about, he set up as the father earlier in the movie. I have no idea what the hell you're talking about because it it doesn't seem like it's really present there, and the only only inclination we get is when they tell us after the fact oh like he he didn't keep you for thieving he kept you so that because he didn't want to give you back to well, ego see, well, well this is the thing like it's one for me it's the the fact of everyone going like hey you you never did this with quill like you treat yeah, quill you completely different from him, him. Yeah. and they don't say are you like some kind of dad to him or something like that like that's a part of it and then but that's more telling exactly they didn't tell it they they showed it by saying hey you do this thing for quill like why are you doing this that's not that's not telling that's you know remind that's one reminding us of the the previous thing that's going on there but there is also something deeper below what they they are are saying on the surface they are to me that is telling i would rather see actions i would rather see characters do things for each other to me here people are saying after the fact hey remember earlier like when you treated him this way i want to see that difference i want to see that if that's the theme you're going for and if that's how you want to sell it so to me that's that that one doesn't count for my standards it it wasn't as big a deal i I think it worked all right specifically because this was one of the reasons they're mutinying right is is the you're you're consistently you're you're being inconsistent with how you deal with different situations which you should not be as our captain right Right. like we're out to make money and the thing that made me enjoy uh yondu a lot more in this movie is that there he feels less one note to me like I like the the uh, comparisons that they draw between him and Rocket a lot. Like that that gives a lot of depth to his character that I don't feel was there in the first movie. And I like that they aren't just going with like a pure one thing that they're doing with Yondu of he's a dad to Quill and that's the only thing that we're going to talk about for the whole movie. I like that they're doing other things with his character as well on top of that because I think that's built off of what we saw of the two characters in the first movie more than just hammered home in this one, if that makes sense. But but at the same time, the comparison that gets drawn between the two of them is entirely told again, which I, it's literally told by Yondu saying both times between him and Rocket and then later with him being like, I'm your dad, dude. Like, I, I don't know. I had a problem with it. And, and that's a super strong example because it's so just blatant. But I feel like that's a problem that happened at different points especially in that third act where people where it again it it felt like these these are lines that are being written because it fits within the whole like hey we're all a family again instead of i enjoy rocket the raccoon because he's sarcastic and kind of an asshole all the time and he can 
like start to come around but even when he even when he does he's still super snarky and sarcastic kind of thing right like that's the character of who he is and it feels like a lot of the dialogue in that last third does not fit well with the characters delivering it for me i really agree with that analysis for the most part um to me it's like i said earlier i feel like we're just told to feel so many things instead of showing just natural development of characters and that that's kind of why i disagree with your analysis of the first film is because the first film i feel like they very rarely just spell out this is my role here instead i think the first one it does feel like a family movie to me even though they never say the word family (laughs) just the fact at the end that they when he grabs the stone to prevent our big bad in that film uh the fact that they all just volunteer to share the power together i like visual moments like that where I see people working together and I'm I'm I start caring about them because of what they're actively doing as opposed to telling me no we got to join up with Quill so he doesn't die because we care about him I don't like that as much I I feel like for me with the first movie I am not nearly as sold on the relationship that you got as you guys are I, I think that they're a team kind of by the end. I, I don't get what you're saying of like they're I don't feel like that last moment is earned to me because most of the movie is about comedy and not about show, telling me a story. Um, but I don't want to get too deep into that movie. I want to actually do that movie at some point. And I feel like and that that is I the only, best way to do that. I only bring um, it up because I think it did exactly what we're talking about, like my complaints with how they told these weighty emotional bits in the movie do not work nearly as well because in the first movie they did them very well not because they did them well in the first movie but it's just a good parallel to draw and to compliment another thing about this movie when we see yondu make his sacrifice actively that is when the theme really starts to hit home with me and i only criticize yondu's arc the way I do, because I think it would have been so much stronger if I felt like I saw him be more of a father figure before that moment. But because he is doing this, because he is actively giving his life to save Peter, knowing exactly how it's going to turn out. And and for all he knows, he will still be remembered as a traitor. And that's very powerful. What I really like about it is that it's an arc that I don't feel like I see often. He's a shitty dad. Like, and he, he like, he admits that openly. And every character is aware of that fact. And they don't try to hide that. They don't try to say, like, yeah, he was a shitty dad on the outside. But really, you know, he was he actually a, a good guy all along. No, he, was he was disgusting he, on the inside. Yeah, he yeah. was a horrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was a horrible person. And he acknowledged that but when it mattered that's when he came through and that's what really sticks hard um and i think that's what makes him work for me at least in comparison with uh with uh, kurt russell's character because he's also his dad and he is also kind of there and he's trying to be this perfect idealized dad when he shows up but i like that we're shown that despite his complete inability to be this perfect idealized dad yondu is actually the things that really a hundred percent matter and even though he had a lot of failings just you know to to take away from that i also love kerr russell man kerr russell's so great in, in every movie. role he's in he's just a wonderful what he is i would put him in the actual like movie star category where almost anytime they show up no matter how bad the rest of the movie is built around them i'm at least super glad that they are there and kurt russell i think earns that star in this movie it's the same scenario he is wonderful at when once he shows up to the last scene he's in 
I just love that guy. And he, I think he plays one of, if not the most interesting Marvel antagonist so far. I would mostly agree. Like, I'd put him up there with Loki in terms of uh, interesting Marvel uh, antagonists. But a lot of that is because a lot of the Marvel antagonists are just awful. Like, that's a that's a bar you could trip over. But sure. he is actually, re I don't want to take that away from the fact that he is actually really good. In fact, the only thing that I don't like about him in this movie is that when he's uh, 70s him as a younger version of him, that He looks version, like strangely fat. It looks really <laughs> creepy to me. There's something Uncanny Valley about that particular fun, thing. Fun fact. All makeup effects, really? no CGI. I read Not that this morning. Not a bit of CGI. Yeah, apparently it wow. is. It is almost entirely physical. That's like, crazy. Which is crazy. Like, which is might have been why it was so uncanny valley because that's got to be like a solid inch of concealer. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> but uh, I I thought that was really interesting. Um, but Kurt Russell's great, and I think that it's so great to see an antagonist where we spend so much in the movie being convinced how great this guy is, and we even have characters go out to say, "Hey, he may not be bad. You should really open yourself up to him." Having said that. Once the turn happened, I was sort of like, oh, man, I I should have known. There's no other antagonist really present at this point in the story. There was a little hint of like, oh, this is the only other thing that could have happened. He had to have some evil plan. But I also like it's it's a pretty compelling evil plan. Like it, it's pretty good as far as a take over everything. Story. Yeah, that's the thing. Like he he feels like the same character. Like a lot of times when a character will um, make the turn from good guy to bad guy, they'll feel like two entirely different characters. I think uh, one of the worst examples of that is the movie Frozen. Like the the bad guy in that movie feels just like out of nowhere he just went full on uh, hide after being Jekyll for the first half like it's that stark of a contrast but in this the character feels of a piece with that initial character and it doesn't feel like he has been playing a role to be this quote unquote perfect dad it feels like he has been that same person and this is what that actually looks like in his, from this alien perspective well and I, and I also like how his main driving force ties directly into our theme of family as well because the gist of it is that he feels alone like there is no other being like him in the universe as far as he knows uh but he still says at one point he has the option of having a family and he's like i know that if i go back I i'm done and that that will be my life then and then this other purpose is just not going to mean anything to me but he decides that he's nope you know I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna have that. This this conquest of the universe and expansion of myself is my actual goal. I'm rejecting the idea of having that family. And the thing that's really interesting to me about that, the way that they handle that, and I wish they had gotten a little deeper into, is if he does go and have that family, it's a very temporary thing. Like that cannot last forever. And this is a being that is, for all intents and purposes, immortal. Like as long as he right. doesn't ki get killed, I get no impression that he could die just out of old age. And so it's interesting to, to set up that, like, I have this massive universe scale goal that I want that I have on the one hand, but it is tempting to me to do to to live out with live out my life with this one person. Like, I, I really like that. And I wish that there had been a little bit more of of that you know back and forth there but i like the that it's in there at all i will say though i didn't fully understand what all of his limitations were as far as like the right. tentacles and stuff because at the end at one point he's like reaching out like we have to stop it and it's like you can summon tentacles out of anywhere if you just need to get to it just summon a thing and like 
like just stop it you know like i i didn't fully understand a couple moments like that where i'm like given the scope of his powers here i feel like he should be able to overcome this obstacle i agree and, i, I feel know. like there was there's a degree of fine control that he doesn't have with the like large scale tentacle type things like i i t- kind of think of it as like okay i'm me and i have a brain but i couldn't like root around in there with my finger and fix a problem if it was really really tiny but he's got this body that he can move in and you know like his kurt russell body he could go in there and do something about sure it. that would that would make sort sense. of the way that i i rationalize in your head but it's not clearly said it's, you're right the movie in the context of the movie those rules are not defined and i think for this you, conflict you know, to you know be what, refined, what it, it ought to do that. You know what would have made it perfect? Because as he's talking with Quinn about how, like, oh, you're, you know, you're going to need a whole lot of practice over a whole lot of years to be able to control that. That kind of thing. Like, he's having that conversation with him. If he'd even thrown in a, I mean, even me in my expanse of existence, mm. I haven't perfected everything. Right. Yeah. yeah. If he does that, like that, then towards the end, we can be like... You know what? He's super powerful, but even he doesn't have complete control over everything. Right. Yeah. Like, but but again, like that's something we can assume. Yeah. Uh, that's ticky tack kind of a thing. Right. But I mean, I think it would I think it would give a little more weight to the specifics of what's going on, and that's always important to me in a fight yeah. scene of of knowing specifically the climax. Yeah. Like, what is going on? What are the stakes? What? How are these two characters interacting? But there is one moment in that final fight that just is the best thing, and I love it so much. Like when he turns into Pac Man after the other guy turns into oh a giant version of his. That's oh so good. God. I love it. That was that was super <laughs> wonderful. At that point, I was hoping that all the other things that Peter described are yes. going to be used in his attacks like he turns into he-man or something like <laughs> that would yes. be amazing oh man i was really hoping for that but the pac-man was definitely just the the cherry on top this is no bit can be funnier than this in this climax now i speaking of oh, that was a joke that didn't land for me really yeah oh man it completely blindsided me i thought it was hilarious yeah i know because like because i like i saw something coming like because you know kurt russell's like grabbing dirt or whatever and he's grabbing yellow stuff and he's grabbing yellow stuff i was like okay what's the joke yeah what's the joke i just sort of thought they were going to be two dudes with fists yeah i thought gonna he was going to be other. like a gold guy out there yeah but no but like i mean i acknowledge that it is a funny joke but it just didn't land for me hmm. now i do have to ask since we're speaking about villains um what do you guys think of the other antagonists in this film i do i like that I like that they're there specifically because I think that they're there exclusively to throw us off in a meta way, knowing that this this would be a very normal Marvel villain. Like this would be very like, oh, so this is this is who's going to be driving a lot of the conflict throughout this movie. And they kind of just show up to get punked. And the real problems, Kurt Russell, I kind of like that as an MCU fan. I feel like if we want to say, well, are they on their own a great villain of course not but i also think that they're not really the role of villain in this movie so i forgive it they're stormtroopers i just i completely disagree i think um you're talking about specifically laser face and no i'm talking about gold gold the gold sovereign laser yeah the sovereign laser face doesn't even count as a villain to me he's a punch okay let me let me go back then um i really like I I was thinking of of Gamora and and him as as alternate villains in that scenario because to me Nebula yeah sorry Nebula yeah Um, Nebula and Gamora's relationship is really interesting to me and I like that there is this constant conflict between the two and that it ends up 
being resolved in an interesting way. So often in these movies, it's just like bad guys show up to get killed and there's no other purpose to them and they're gone after that movie. And I like that they did some stuff with Gamora in the first movie and then brought her back and still didn't kill her and actually made her more of an ally for this one. And I, that's interesting to me because that conflict is still clearly there by the end of the movie. It's just not as deep a, a wound as it was. And both of these characters had to to show a little more of themselves to, to get there. And I also kind of like Laserface because that guy feels like the Yondu of the first movie in some ways to me because he's kind of this weird thing that's there and I don't really like his presence and so to see him get murdered in a pretty awesome fight scene I enjoyed all that so I disagree so much about Laserface he was just a walking punchline yeah like I, which is not what Yondu was in the first yeah movie. I don't agree with that totally analysis at all. <laughs> but in this movie the way you described him I agree with that like in this movie he is just a punchline and it's for the most punchline to me goes on way too long here's though. the thing yeah. it, the punchline did not land for me until the, the phone call time. at the end because the first few times I was like okay I get it I, I feel like I've seen this bit before but at the end when a whole nother third party has the exact same reaction Rocket did then the joke landed that was for me. really funny yeah. I was like all right this is becoming repetitive humor and i'm always a sucker for repetitive humor so i'm gonna laugh now that was exactly how it went through my brain and how i processed the data that was entering my eye holes now the gold people gold folks i i thought they were okay um like i i'm interested to see what they will do with them in later movies because to me they feel very similar to how the ravagers felt as a as a group in the first movie they were kind of a secondary antagonist that i didn't ever think was going to like destroy the main characters or anything like that um but it could like there is a tease at the end of the movie where something interesting could happen there and i like the 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 things that were shown of them, like them piloting these ships, like they, like it's like it's a video game, yeah. is really interesting, and I really like that. And there's this weird thing of them being like super haughty and not being good at it that I haven't seen before, and I liked that of it. But I do agree that they don't feel a hundred percent necessary to this movie. I feel like they're almost a better done than usual, but still a setup for something that's going to be in a later movie. For me, it's that I couldn't quite get what their deal was right because at the beginning with the way that quinn describes them it sounds like they're a race that's haughty the entire time well they explicitly stuck state up all the time they explicitly right? state that they stole from us what they stole is not important it's the fact that they stole from that's us fine. and that's, that's not fine i don't have a problem with that what i have a problem right. with is later like the shift like it, it feel it feels like they're inconsistent with how they're portraying this group of people which it is fine if you want them to be just like a normal, you know, group of humans or whatever. But at the beginning, it felt like they painted them as this is a race that, you know, you, you use bad manners and they'll kill you kind of thing. Right. And then later on, you see them like, oh, you suck at piloting that ship, Greg. See, right? like, I, I specifically liked that because it it to me, there was just a big theme of them being very prideful. And I've seen space elves before. Like, that's sort of what they the thing that they I feel like they were going for, like Tolkienian elves where they're just super stuck up and they don't really care about lesser things. And that's the way they feel in the first scene. But as the movie progresses, I feel like they 
think that they're that way, but they're actually just jerks and stupid. And I like that. And it's something that I have not seen before. And it's a it's a joke of this, Dave. Yeah, like there's something about that that landed for me. And I like because it was different from the thing that I expected them to to the the stereotype that I expected them to represent. Yeah, I mean honestly I think they are a very good first third villain. Yeah, that's how I would describe them. They're they're sort they're only there to provide conflict to the heroes, not to be a villain actual. Mm-hmm. Like they're just they're just a stepping stone. They're the stormtroopers. They're the threshold guardians of this movie. That's what yeah. they are. Yeah, they're a complication and no, right. nothing yeah. more. Yeah, and and uh, as far as other MCUs where they kind of have this same flow where there's like, oh, there's a villain to start the movie, but they're not the really big baddie. Like they do like this is a better one than than any one that I or most of the any ones I've I've seen Marvel do. They felt like they just took up too much space in the movie for me. I, I might agree with that. Like I, I didn't really need them to show up personally at the end of the the thing. Like I feel like right. they were there to be a distraction for mm-hmm. uh when I think it might have been more help more specific it or I think it might have worked better if Kurt Russell had somehow been the one doing all the things that they did in the climax. Yeah. Now one one thing I do want to say about Kurt Russell's character. Um, I th- I think that Marvel needs to be careful, at, at least from my perspective, because it seems like recently they've decided to, to really ramp up the scale of their villains, right? Because I really enjoy the, here's a villain that's going to take over our city kind of thing, right? Or even like, here's someone that's, you know, like, I, and this is a bad movie, but think to like Silver Surfer where the earth is at stake. But recently they've started going with whole like galaxy, galaxy ruining between is, like Doctor Strange. Well, it needs to and, be guarded well, that is, by someone. That is true. Maybe but the guardians at the same of time, the galaxy. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to do that, but I was clearly doing a bit. Sorry, <laughs> that's my bad. kept jumping in on the bit. I, d- I didn't get that it was a bit. I, well, I thought was, that you were probably was a staccato. Um, you were saying something Rick (laughs) the thing is that yes those are things that they are doing but at the same time we've also had Ant-Man which was super low scale and we also had um, Civil War uh, Captain America recently which was also similarly low scale even though it looked like it was a much bigger scale and and that's fine I'm I'm Um, not I'm not saying that they are only doing this what I'm saying is that something at this scale shouldn't be happening as frequently as it is because something this huge especially especially when they've been building up Thanos for like four years at this point oh forever yeah right like he is someone that should be this big where it's you know here's someone who is actually going to ruin like our universe if we can't stop them yeah and if that's going to be as if this is the thing you've been building up for and this is the weight that he's going to carry we don't need to also have had in the previous year and a half three other villains that were also galaxy destroyers yeah i i do agree with that sentiment but at the same time i although i've never oh my gosh i'm just imagining trying to watch all the mcu movies in a row uh i feel like if i were to get that perspective like of the grand story overall i would not like it i don't think it's actually meant to be enjoyed that way i think it's meant to be one of those things where you go to the movies every now and then. Well, yeah, connected Marvel yeah, Universe. Yeah, absolutely. Like that. That that's totally 
a positive thing about it is that you're investing time as much as you're enjoying time, right? Where you're investing into this larger story. But if you really look at this, the whole thing as one story, it's going, you're going to identify so many parallels. You're going to identify so many repeated things that it's just going to, I think, start to feel a little weak to you. And to me, I forgive it for that reason, that I'm never going to do that. All I'm going to do is go see the next Guardians and be like, oh, so like this is where the next Thor is going to take place or whatever. Or, oh, like this is, I remember that character, that side character from uh, Civil War. I never really thought to give a second mention to. What are they showing up in this Ant-Man sequel? You know, that that's that's the thrill that it provides. Side note, I'm actually really, really happy that it looks like we're finally going to get an actually good Thor movie. Right? Oh my, oh my gosh. <laughs> the, this is the, the first, first one that... Thor is great. No. I don't know why. Everybody. What? No. Did you just say the first fun. Thor is it's great? super fun. It, not at all. Great right. comedy. This looks Thor like... retrospective. We're doing it before Ragnarok. Oh gosh. <laughs> Thor, Ragnarok Thor looks like the first Thor movie I'm going to enjoy. Well, yeah. it has the Hulk in it, so it's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm actually super excited for Ragnarok. That one looks really, really fun. That director's really good, too. But he's also never done anything like a superhero movie before. He's done, like, low-key family comedies, and then they gave him Thor Ragnarok. And it yeah, looks an, awesome. It's an odd choice, but okay. I'm down. It's a super odd choice. People are like, well, wow, that guy? He also weird, didn't do Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> Volume, Volume 2, <laughs> which is what we're talking about. Um, oh, yeah, I guess but, that's true. Okay. I... I want to I want to talk about some of the jokes that didn't land for me. Okay. Specific now, who was it that mentioned the whole like uh, Mantis touching folks and Bautista? Yeah, me. Goofing he off. mentioned it. I, I liked it. I he mentioned. Didn't. Well, no, I liked the joke. I thought it was funny, but the fact that he continues to laugh hysterically over that—that's like, his whole thing. No, it's he, no. did he never do that in the first his movie? Thing, Laugh hysterically being, over yeah. being oblivious. Yeah, no. He, no, he definitely did do a over the top hysterical laughter in the first one. His whole thing is, but it, his but thing it is not laughing. So his thing is a complete one. lack of of social awareness, social cues. He he just he's an completely open book, and he interprets the world the same way. He expects everything to also be an open book. That's why when someone says something to him, he interprets it 100% literally. If he finds something funny, he is going to laugh until he is satisfied, not until he realizes that it's a bit awkward. He's laughing as hard as he is. That's his whole thing. It so, worked. It, that thing specifically worked for me because I feel like Mantis played into that well by being something similar but different, and yeah. her touching him and starting to laugh as well was not in the trailer and i really thought that part was funny yeah no, that, I, I, that's what made it that's what t changed it from being okay this is going way too long to okay exactly. th th this is funny then well, you realize he really is does genuinely think this is the funniest thing that has ever happened when it really from our perspective we're sort of on peter's side like i mean it's not that funny it's a little weird that you're laughing so hard that's where the joke lands immediately but when mantis touches him just imagining someone finding that much joy in anything, I think just makes it contagious. <laughs> That's how I reacted yeah. to it. I mean, I just, it, cause like scenes like that happen too often. With I him. do agree that they, they re I feel like they repeat that beat of a joke a little too much with him. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like in the first movie, it was more varied what he was doing with his, like not quite getting what was going on thing. Um, and in this one, it's mostly just played for comedy and like specifically a really big, loud comedy. I feel the, like the yeah. the your disgusting bit didn't really land for me, although I kind of like the insight it gives into his character. I liked it at 
I didn't. I, I also felt like it didn't 100% land, but I did actually really like it later on in the movie where he like when she wakes him up and he's like, I'm not attracted to you. I tried to let you down gently when I said you were disgusting. That, that, that was, was really funny. funny. When his was, letting her down gently was you're hideous. Yeah, I like I liked yeah. that a lot. And I also liked at the very end where he was like, you are also beautiful on on the inside. inside that made it all worth it to me because yes. that one was so good now you know which one didn't land for me at all which one was him asking uh quill's dad if he had a penis Okay, maybe this is only me. It probably is only me. But every time they do something like where it's showing the body getting made and then like that kind of thing. And there's it no dog like there. Doll. Yeah, he looks like a Ken doll. Does he have a penis? That, that thought does go through my head. That, so I, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was super funny. I really liked the one of the first jokes, which was the I have like legendary sized turds. Like I thought that was super funny. He drives is great. <laughs> to be fair, I liked it better when you just said it just now than I did in the actual movie. <laughs> ben, me up like, over here. Like they are funny, but it's just like <laughs> okay. Well, end of discussion. No, 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 no. not end of discussion. <laughs> no, it's no like, but it's like in the moment, it's like heh. And it's just like, okay, they did another joke. Okay, here's another one. It's like a five-minute joke about whether or not he has a he has a dick. It is well, not yeah. a five-minute it joke. It's like two long. lines they, and it's done. No, they keep going on about it. No, they keep going on about how weird it is that Drax is okay with his, like, having sex. Like, his his inability to, to understand the social cues of how weird of sex is. Joke. Yeah, it's but it's not joke. just it's not just a dick joke for five minutes. That's no, a it's very a dick different joke, thing. and then it's parents having sex joke. Yeah. And then also, hey, remember when we were talking about dicks? Yeah, I thought yeah. that was funny. No, like it's like okay, cool, funny. Okay, let's move on. Like, you, eh, it, I liked it. No, no, it, fe- it feels it yeah. feels out of place in the movie. It feel it feels like the kind of jokes I'd get from a different kind of movie. I no, I, I liked I, the trailer version of Drax and Peter talking about Gamora more than the actual finished cut version. So the finished cut just just was you need someone pathetic like you. And they, it's like we saw that bit and they cut out the hug. Yeah, yeah, the hug was great. The like, hug was I think the hug was needed cuz a lot of the things that Drax is saying are really insulting. And I feel like that works better when he is being insulting and then not realizing that he has said something really really mean and then immediately trying to be nurturing. Like not get like that was 100% his goal the entire time and he just doesn't get that he was doing it horribly. I do think well, though that like I think a majority of the jokes with Drax could have landed harder if they were supplemented by a little more heart from Drax. Like Drax feels like primarily a joke machine in this movie. But in the first film, we at least get that very sincere moment where he has failed to take on the villain in uh, single hand combat. Mm -hmm. And uh, Groot and Rocket confront him and they're like, what were you doing? You messed up the whole plan. And it's the first because Drax has always been an open book when he says, you are right. I have failed you all like that line from any other type of character would feel like, okay, you're you're having up a little too much, man. Like just apologize, be very sincere and let's move forward. But because Drax says everything and means everything literally when he says something like that, it's the same way as jokes are delivered. But now it's with exclusively heart. 
And I think that he should have been a little more well-rounded in this. And the, I, I thought he he did show heart. Like, in his, like, I know that, like, the scene didn't, or part of the jokes in that scene didn't work for you about telling Mantis, like, oh, you're disgusting, you're ugly. Like, but that, like, him talking to Mantis is like, oh, you remind me of my daughter. He's like, yeah. why? Because I'm ugly? Oh, and like, when no, she, because when she innocent. touches him yeah, and, and cries, like yeah. that, that's, that's powerful. That's yeah. really like great. that, like I wanted more of that Drax. Yeah, I do too. Than, than just, uh, oh, I take, I'm known for my famously large turns. <laughs> or, oh, do you have a penis? Like, <laughs> no, like so I mean, funny, those two jokes, they, those are like the last two you should cut from this. <laughs> no, movie. but like, they're great. I, I think <laughs> but, what it is is that it, to me, it feels like Drax had probably more of these heart moments, but that those might have been cut out. Like the way that I'm pretty sure that there was a hug moment that got cut out. Somewhere. Yeah, there, there absolutely so, was a hug moment. They're in one probably of the on the cutting room floor somewhere. And oh, I yeah. feel like that was needed in this movie, but it's already kind of packed in, in that kind of yeah, thing. And, so. I, and honestly, like, I don't want jokes like I don't want jokes yeah. coming from Drax. I want Drax to have a one liner. That's a joke, but it's like completely innocuous and just like, oh, nothing like I'm much too quick. Nothing can go like that. That is a joke in and of itself, but it's a one liner. It, it's, 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 it's funny in the way that the Terminator in T2 is funny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He but seemed see, more aware one, of himself in this movie. Exactly, almost. And, and I don't like that because he's he's. <laughs> Like literally, his race is not aware. <laughs> like, but like the fact that he is aware, I agree. It, it it kind of draws back from the character for me. I I absolutely agree. Um, I mean we we've already talked about Baby Groot a little bit, oh, but so I just good. the the opening credits opening are oh opening so good yeah. like, because of so Baby much, Groot. This like, is exactly like I was like, all right, this is so far basically exactly what volume one is and we're already we're better. just in the opening credits and i love it i think mm -hmm. it's absolutely fantastic if they do not do another dance intro in volume They've three gotta, right they, they have to it's their pastiche now they they absolutely need to go along this train it would be like a star wars movie without the line i've got a bad feeling about this oh man it, yeah absolutely they need an opening Who, sequence who's gonna be dance dancing in the third one though uh drax no, here, here's what I think. I think it's got to be Gamora, and then as soon because she's as, not been a dancer. Yeah, and then as soon as the door opens, it just like music harsh cut. You know, you hear the like, <laughs> she, she pulls out her sword and pretends like she was practicing. <laughs> but it's just like hard cut, like no dancing going on in here. Yeah. You were practicing. This room is really small for practicing. Right, but no, but opening opening credits with Baby Groot dancing around is great. Yeah. Oh, and, wonderful! And I love that it sets up kind of who Baby Groot's going to be in this one. Like definitely, he's. He's trying as best as he can to help in the way that a three-year-old child tries to help make <laughs> He embodies the spirit of Doggo. He embodies the spirit of Pupperino. He, uh, he's wonderful. I, I, I love everything he does. In that scene was good, but it was not my favorite Groot scene. My favorite Groot scene is in the middle of the movie when the he's prison? just... Yep, when he yes. just keeps coming back with random things. And oh, one of them is so just perfect. straight up a desk. What? Especially the idea that on he's stuck it's a past all these sleeping people. <laughs> super loud. Like, yeah. You gotta wonder uh, if they just woke up and saw him dragging a desk away and went, what? What is he doing? Right. I don't know. And just went back to sleep. Like setting up his office. Everything about that scene was amazing. No, and that, I that loved was, it. Because oh, it was wonderful. so, so pitiful when they were picking on him. Like when they were pouring beer on his head. I felt so bad for little oh, baby yeah. Groot. I Absolutely. wanted every one of those people to die horribly. And they did. And when, it made me feel good. When he almost got crushed and started crying. I like oh. straight up was like, everyone don't you a, dare. Don't you dare do that to my baby every, Groot. Everyone in our theater was like, oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so adorable. Like, I, I know that when my wife sees that scene, she is going to grab me and be like, they're not going to kill Brute, right? Like, it's just, oh. Nicole was definitely having that sort of response. Oh, like, yeah, she would grip yeah. my arm tighter, like, no. <laughs> yeah, Hannah totally did the same thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and my girlfriend, too. <laughs> It's, it's okay. My wife wasn't actually there, so I just grabbed the person next to me and said, kill baby crew, right? I avoided grabbing the person next to me. <laughs> now, I will I will say, baby crew, solid. You know who didn't land for me in this one? And I think it was just, I couldn't tell if it was a weak performance or what, but Quinn. Quinn just didn't do it for me in this he, one. He felt a little more blandy protagonisty. Yeah, and he, uh, he felt super background. Uh, but but which, at which the same they, time, which, I don't I don't think were main he is plot bland protagonisty. I just think he is a little more in that direction. I, I can definitely see what you're talking about. I feel like he, oddly enough, did not get enough moments in this movie that was like sort of the main big conflict was around him. I don't feel like they worked with him enough because I think like I think they did a good job of setting him up to to play off of Kurt Russell really well because I really like that scene where they just start to play ball like that should be super super That's stupid so ridiculous. Oh, it's yeah, so but, charming. but something about it, it was charming. really charming and I really enjoyed it but I feel like it, he would have benefited from having interactions because I feel like he basically just talks to Kurt Russell and to Gamora and that's basically it and he I feel does like his get, interaction with Rocky he does get Rocket. the Are best Rocket because you Rocket? Can say Rocky Rocky Raccoon. And no, Rocky are you Quinn. talking about Sylvester Stallone? He's also in this movie. Rocket. And he was Rocky. Uh, no, at, at the beginning when like they're him. fighting over controls. Yeah, and I do I really like, like that. I do yeah. like that that brother relationship that they kind of have going on. Right. I just feel like it, he needed a little more of that kind of thing with like another character or something. I, I do think that Quinn has the best moment for purely dramatic purposes in this movie when he shoots Kurt Russell once he realizes that his oh, mom yeah. goes oh, normally yes. normally oh, the protagonists yes. are like but why and they ask a lot of questions and it's so refreshing to see a guy be like that's break that's past the line just straight up loads into him because he's oh, like gosh. that is what i he, need he from drama i just barrels. need people to react to new information as presented to them and I, it I, absolutely and I love, worked i love that it goes against what we're set up for in that moment because we've been mm-hmm. told that you know uh by, by mantis his father for so long he's been wanting his father for so long and then mantis is saying that he like can control people that he's you know taken over and he's got these like galaxy eyes things going on Which and he looks cool mind effect. control super cool i loved it Mm-hmm. But I love that he just 100% what snaps out of it yeah. shoots the crap out of him. Yeah, you're totally right. So, so awesome. Good. Such a that that is really the only like drama heavy moment other than Yondu sacrifice at the end that I was like, oh, that hits me. Like, And it really did. It really was like a wow moment for me. Yeah. And you could feel just like the the tenseness in the theater while that was happening yeah. because it so starkly contrasts what we were hoping for from this situation yeah yeah definitely agree so is there anything else we need to talk about do we want to talk about specifically yondu's death like well i I mean i've already said everything i've said about it so i i would now like to get into some of my tone issues um that i mentioned in the first part to follow up having like 20 something people thrown out into space with a joke is not funny what was the joke? It that can't was be in that? Guardians of the Galaxy. No, so. I, no. no, I I can get get behind. No, that. I no, I can't. <laughs> like like that, that, that's not like I can understand. Like because it's it's so 
harsh. It's like a very well, quick. It's because of the way they play it, right? Because because if you get if you have it where it's done over the goofy music and you just see them like get sucked out to the beat, like dun 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 dun, and it's like one two three four five, and then you just keep getting sucked out of the airlock. Then it's a joke and it's all right, despite it still being a kind of macabre thing that's happening. But the way they play it is you see these crewmates like pleading to their captain who's sitting there defeated and tied up as he just watches like his family get sucked out of this airlock. Right. And the way they decide the tone of that scene should be is that it's very somber and it's grim. And then they immediately followed up with the whole laser face routine. And that's well, what I think it is. Because they absolutely could have done this scene in a way that was goofy and funny because it's Guardian of the Galaxy. But that's not how they decided to do it. See, I think for me, it's specifically because it's Rocket making these jokes. Rocket does not give a crap about the fact that how grim that is. Like, that's not grim to him. Okay. That's Tuesday to him. That's, I so, mean, that's fine. That's fine. I, know, I like, understand that. And so coming from him, those jer- jokes land for me. They're, they're not totally different it's, for me it's because it's him. It stays with Rocket, though, but then it spreads to the entire crowd and everybody's laughing at this dude. Those well, guys were killing people and laughing about it two seconds ago. It's clearly funny to them. Like, it fits within no, no, their No, no, I'm, their I'm saying the tone of the movie, not the tone of the scene. Like, it's, it, it, it goes from, like, one guy fighting and trying to, like, get out and then drift off into space. Yeah. Die. Mm-hmm. And then the, like, all very grim, like, nothing funny, nothing, anything else happening other than just, like, this very grim close-up of his face as he freezes and dies. And then the camera pans to see 20 dead people Mm -hmm. out in space. Yeah, I saw it, too. Like, and then I, it immediately comes back to Rocket telling jokes. Like, that's not, no. Like, you need to have, like, some sort of, like, curve back up, not an immediately, like, okay, it's really grim, and now you should laugh. Or, actually, sometimes that's exactly how you set up a joke. Like, it might not have worked for you, but that is a legitimate way to do it, to go super dark and then just start making fun of it. Like, But it doesn't come off across, like, as a dark joke. It's, like... Like there's a difference between a like this like of a of dark comedy and what this was. This was I mean, extremely dark, and then they tried to be comedic, and I laughed. It wasn't like I but, enjoyed the scene. That's okay. all I'm trying to say. Like you can, I, but I'm just like, but the fact like the jump like it's not dark comedy. It's dark, and then there's comedy. Like there's nothing. Like there's no, there's nothing to fill that gap. I I, I agree with you, and I think that. I think that that's that's the most evident example. I think another one would be, and and I can't remember the specific joke that followed it, which is why I'd say that's definitely the strongest example. But it was other things like when Drax is reminiscing about his family and Mantis like can feel how sad he is. And then I remember it going into something funny afterwards and just feeling like that was jarring. No, I don't think it, that no, happened. that doesn't. It goes to them talk like Gamora, Gamora interrupts, comes interrupts out, them, and then they walk out in the middle of nowhere, and then they talk about what she was going to tell Drax. There's not really a comedy beat there. I don't understand. I don't understand y'all's perspective. No, I, yeah, I, I, to me I the tone it. It, feels fine. It happened fine. at multiple the, multiple points the, in the movie. I think the thing, what's the what's the difference though between that and our villain in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 about to blow up the entire planet and you have people crying, holding their children as he's about to slam the Infinity Stone on the ground, but then there's a dance-off 
immediately. Like what's so funny about it is that it hard shifts to Peter Quill acting silly. And I don't understand what the difference is between those two scenes really. I mean, this one is definitely played up a lot darker, but it's the same thing. Like it's the same type of delivery I, I, I guess, that it's been I guess doing. Face well, no, value because, it is, but, but it but for for whatever it's the reason delivery like it's it, yeah. it, no it, it, it's clearly in the no like it's clearly in the delivery for me because it's shown like in that scene with quill like demanding a dance off as like this really grim thing is about to happen like it is intended and it comes off as like of him trying anything that like trying to distract him and do something it's not like oh here's a joke and okay wait well, here's a better example like a lot of the things that are happening when that crew is later getting slaughtered that's also a very dark thing like but the did was did but you again worry, they're playing you, that over a funny song okay and, like, but i mean the thing of it is is like that scene that you're talking about isn't that dark to me honestly these are a bunch of really horrible people doing what i presume is what they normally do like i don't get the impression that the they're not like throwing children out there they're throwing guys who kill people for a living out the airlock to me the joke the problem with the scene there's i don't have a lot of problems with it in general i thought it was a pretty good scene but i feel like rocket's jokes weren't super funny so it didn't super justify the tone shift the way that the dance off just blindsides you in volume one uh but i think that if that were stronger in this one then the juxtaposition wouldn't be a problem. Honestly, uh, they, they're like still we, behaving to character. Uh, they're still, and honestly, it's it's still a little funny. Uh, it, I'm not nearly as perturbed by the tonal shift as you guys are. It, it, it didn't. It wasn't like a movie breaking thing to me. It's just no. something that I noticed, hmm. and, and it's something that hit me more than once during the movie. It, it's not something that would like. That's not what would make me. You know drop it a star or anything like that it's just something i noticed and so when benj brought right. it up as something that that did bother him i can at least i can at least back you up and say that that i saw i saw that it was there it maybe wasn't as big a deal but i can at least acknowledge that yeah like th- there were some tonal issues yeah. at mm-hmm. least as far as the way they carried from scene to scene there's only two more things i would personally like to talk about and one i think could be very short I think this movie is gorgeous. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. like the the cinematography the is much better. The beginning is primo. Yeah, it is visually. Beautiful. I think this is a step up from Volume One. Like there's so a scene much better, where, but Volume One looked good too. Oh, absolutely. Volume One looked great, but this movie actually feels like a visually a little more inspired. Like it is just so overwhelmingly beautiful. Like everything from the production design yeah, to definitely. how they use the camera, it is absolutely fantastic. Absolutely, it, like I love all the different things that you're seeing in this this world like from the weird gold people to the robot sex things in that uh, the ravagers are hanging out with to like the the, the planet. planet the planet itself is like mm. this weird fantasy 70s it's very it, psychedelic. it looks like Trip it's from skate. out you know through the looking glass yeah straight right. up like just it uh, yeah no this movie is absolutely incredibly gorgeous i, I also agree. think that the set pieces as action set pieces are super strong in this one I think that in particular, a highlight, I think, was the fight between uh, Gamora and Nebula with the plane coming in, her going in the cave. You see it. You see it sort of do a strafe and then it goes off in the distance and you slowly realize it's turned around. The use of space is so strong in that set piece. And it was 
Very thrilling, especially when Gamora picked up the giant ass machine gun. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That's like, okay, oh yeah, this this is a comic book movie, isn't it? Like, <laughs> like that that is also one of the things that I was like throughout the entire movie, I was like, can anything hurt these people? Like <laughs> The fact, like, well, no, but, like... That's been well, a no, serious no, no. issue for him in all of the films that we've watched, Rick. Well, no, but, like, more so just Bullets just about... don't seem to really do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, well, continue, like, No, just, like, trying to figure out, okay, well, like, how strong are they? Like, Drax can yeah. be, like, drug behind it, a crashing spaceship and be just I was, fine. I was that was a little much. And then like, same thing that with was Gamora being able to hold on to him and be just fine. And yeah. then, like, I can understand, like, that was a little bit, like... Does she have super strength? I didn't realize that prior to this moment. Like that that I agree with. Yeah. Like that was a little odd. She was clearly stated in the first film as like one of like the galaxy's like finest assassins. And you yeah. could maybe look at that as, oh, that, she also yeah. has super strength. She's the daughter of Thanos. Right. You know it, I mean? it is definitely a possibility. It's just in the first movie, it emphasized her speed and that kind of thing a lot more. And Drax was the really strong one. So yeah. this moment in particular did feel a little odd just coming from that. I mean, th- um, that, that is like that yeah. one specific scene was yeah. where I was just like... I liked How it because how powerful it just, are they really? Yeah, I, I really liked it just because it was so unexpected. But at the same time, that also does work against it for me. But um, I mean, I, like I immediately jumped back in the movie. It didn't take right. me out. But yeah. it, the one thing that I do want to bring up before we we close out is I really liked Yondu's funeral. Like I, in in this particular case, I like the way that. Peter Quill sets out how Yondu was like David Hasselhoff to him. Like the specifics of that are not something I feel like you could really show. I I like that he's just is like, you know, this kind of thing was like this and it's like this. And, you know, in the end, maybe he really was kind of an awesome dad in a a few ways, even though he was a jerk (laughs) who was an awful dad in a lot of ways. I I did not like it until I saw his his country bumpkin uh, crewmate down at the at the window giving him his oh kind of that was salute. that was definitely Man, but like before yeah. then into it before then it seemed a little goofy and cheesy and it, it was pretty yeah. right but but i wasn't really buying it until then and yeah. when when i saw his crew member like his last surviving original crewmate yeah give like giving him that final salute and being so just like emotional ha- emotional sorrowful but also happy that he's getting the funeral he deserves when yeah. all the other reavers show up or is that what they're ravagers. called ravagers ravagers that that solidified it for that's me. another that's, instance that's of showing us yeah. like how to feel and yeah. it really works yeah. yeah definitely yeah i'm like as bad as to say is like i'm glad he died because i wanted that like arc to like finish yeah no, well just, or, just or wait until baby yondu shows up <laughs> and he's super speaking adorable speaking of baby things i'm so glad that there will not be more baby groot in the next movie i'm glad that yeah. they're moving on to something and, and, and i emo also groot no i hope cool. that oh that's God. just this end credit scene like yeah because i think that like angsty teenager groot works really well and is funny for an end credit scene but i do not want to see a whole i agree movie i don't want to see the that. next one will be millennial groot who's just looking for a job can't find one and stuck in quill's basement Gosh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh we want to get into ratings? Yeah, sure. Um I uh I, I'll start. I really liked this one. Um I would say that I am predictably underwhelmed compared to the first one, but that's only because the first one was so strong 
and because the first one also comp- caught me completely off guard. Uh, so I do feel like comparing the two is to an extent unfair, but because it's a sequel, it also does invite that comparison at the same time. Um, but in general, it's great. I really I really like this one. I think that the best scene is the opening credits because that just encapsulates the spirit of what this franchise is going for so well. Uh, it's got a rockin' soundtrack. It's got something that's on the one hand funny and on the other hand is intense and full of action. Um, and I think that this is just as good as action comedy gets, these two films. Um, my uh, least favorite thing about this movie um, is the, uh, I guess you could chop it up to the dialogue because I really don't like the story bits that we are told instead of shown. I think it's a step down from the storytelling that Marvel is actually consistently throughout most of their films very good at. Um, and a lot of the concepts that I loved in this movie, like I said, I think it has a better story than the first one, don't land as hard because they aren't as well told. They aren't using the classic cinema techniques that they ought to be using um so in general though it's really good i have a really hard time imagining anyone not liking this movie um and uh i think it's it's just a really fun time at the movies uh so i'm gonna give it four out of five baby groots (laughs) all right uh you know that that segues in well for me because my favorite thing about this movie is baby groot i think he's fantastic i love every moment that he's on screen uh he's just such a fun little presence um my least favorite thing uh is hard for me to pick because there's a there's not anything that really stands out as particularly bad I guess I'm just going to say like the, the one extra uh, Drax joke that's in there that I'm sure probably should be cut, but I can't think of at the moment, like which one specifically it should be. Um, This is a really good movie. I really enjoyed it. I I think it is a step up in a lot of ways from the first one, even though it is also a step down in some ways. Uh, The, the things that I wanted the most from this movie are present and that's a, that's a better overall an overall different story from what Marvel has been doing most of the time through most of its movies. So, uh, I'm also going to give this a four out of five, um, weird whistling arrow things that I'm just so confused by every time it shows up. <laughs> well, um, now we know you use it with, you kill with your heart, your heart, not your brain. He who is killed with, killed with his arrow has forgotten the face of his father. I really just wanted someone to be like, deep cut what? That no one else is going to get <laughs> my favorite scene of this movie was, Quinn's just split reaction to finding Quill. out who Peter Quill, Quill. Not Quill. yep oh Peter Quinn <laughs> was Peter's reaction <laughs> did I feel like I've been Rocky's. saying Quinn as well <laughs> yeah was Rocky no um was was Peter's just instant reaction to finding out how his mother had been killed um just snapping out of this trance that he'd been put in and immediately just unloading both barrels on his newfound father. Like that was that was great. Um, my least favorite part is probably the conversation he has with um, Yondu as they're flying up off of the planet. I just felt like that that specifically kind of encapsulates the problems that I had with a lot of the dialogue in where they're telling instead of showing. Um, yeah, that, that that's probably my least favorite scene. All in all, it's it's not a bad movie. It's just coming off of the heels of the first Guardians of the Galaxy. That's a that's a hard that's a hard film to follow. 
Um, and, and I definitely did enjoy the first one a whole lot more. Um, there, there may have been plenty of things that this one did better, but for me, it was a less enjoyable experience. And so for that, I'm going to give it a three out of five baby Groots. Okay. Uh, I enjoyed like this movie a lot. Uh, there are several things that I think they did a lot better uh, in this one as far as they told, I think, a better story in this one. Um, set pieces were better. Visuals were better. Villain, villain yes, villain was, much was a lot better. better. Uh, I really like the villain from the first one. He's awful. Oh. He's so boring. He's I like, I like, I, I he like the Lee ex- Pace. <laughs> I, I also like Lee Pace, but like the villain in the first one is just like, okay, he's a bad guy. He's the standard. He's going to blow up everything bad guy. There's nothing interesting about him. He's I, a walking tank. I Woo. completely disagree, but we'll do that another day. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Continue, Bench. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so, but like, every, like a lot of things were better, but like there seemed, there's a minor things that it felt um, like there was like, okay, we we need to put more jokes in here. Um, when it wasn't necessary and it seemed like some of the story arcs through the first two thirds were, um, kind of shoved in and kind of like, okay, we got to get these in because we want this big set piece and this big emotional thing at the end, which one of my favorite things about this movie is how they kind of paired everybody off at the end, um, where you have Drax and Mantis kind of being really similar and like having them get that connection and becoming like coming together like they're very different but they're also very similar same thing with nebula and gamora rocket and yondu peter and his father then peter with yondu like there's like i like that kind of like two very different things are actually kind of the same thing um i like i like that idea and what they did with that and then bringing them together all together at the very end um my least favorite it has to be that like there just seemed to be a couple instances where there's a drastic shift in the tone for me that it, it took me out of the movie too much um, to it, it. It just seemed like really harsh cut to me. Like there should have been something to bring you back up out of a very grim situation before you started cracking jokes. Um, yeah, I mean, it, that's all I can say about that. But uh, as far as a rating, I'd still have to give this a four out of five baby Groots. Like this is a really good, a really fun, enjoyable movie for me. Um, I will probably say it's on par, if not maybe a little bit above the first Guardians. Hmm. Oh, man, I can't believe we didn't talk about uh, Rocket saying I can't lose two friends today. That hit Ooh. me like that was good. I really liked that. That, that, that was good. It was good. I just, I don't know. I feel I, it, it wasn't. It wasn't like amazing. they were spending enough just, time well, like, together in, to in, be in friends. Any, in any other, no, he was talking about Peter. Well, yeah, he's talking about Peter, but the friend he is losing is Yondu. Right, but I thought he was assuming like no, Yondu. the friend he is losing is Peter, and he doesn't yeah. want to also lose Gamora. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Like, I, I like that because he has a in, connection with Yondu now, but he, they're not friends. In any other movie, I feel like he would have uh, been like, you know. No, let's go. Like, let's go get him. I, I realize I'm the the prickly one, but let's go save our friend. And instead, he's like, "Nope, shoot Gamora." What? So Peter's what? still down there fighting his dad. Yeah, and Gamora, with Yondu, and he doesn't care and about Gamora's on the ship. And Gamora's on the ship about to leave and to he, go save and Peter. And he shoots Gamora and says, "I can't lose two friends at the same time, or whatever." 
Because yeah. Peter's still back there. And but he knows Peter that Yondu, Yondu is going to save Peter. Uh, he know- he's given him the tools maybe to make it, but I don't think he actually believes that, it's going to work. That's the subtext behind no, what the, Yondu the entire, is saying. The entire rest of the people on the spaceship are saying, where's Peter? Yeah. Yes, the focus yeah, is on absolutely. Peter. Absolutely. The focus is on Peter. It's I think that it's a twist played on the audience, but Rocket's already in on the joke. No, he, he and Yondu he is talking talk- about Peter. Y'all are nuts. I, I you're, don't know. You're, you're nuts. When 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 it happened, I was like, oh, I immediately was like, oh, that's what Rocket was really meaning. You like, misunderstood it, that scene. No, y'all misunderstood that no, scene. No, you did. <laughs> I think, no, you I think, did. Let's take a vote. I think, <laughs> I think no, I think let's put it on the poll. <laughs> Speaking of polls, you can find the rest of our podcasts at opinionatedpodcast.com Additionally, if you want to send us an email, uh, that's at opinionatedmoviereviews at gmail.com uh, Our Twitter is OpinionCast, uh, and we also have a Facebook group where you can follow our releases. We always put out an announcement as far as which episodes are coming up. Uh, please leave us a rating on iTunes or whichever uh, podcasting app you use, as those really help us um, just get more viewers Uh the, the more reviews and ratings that we have, the more folks are able to listen to our podcast. Good job with that transition. Yeah. That I, excellent. I, I think that Rick made fewer mistakes historically than you did just now. You made a couple little things I would I would nitpick. But in general, I think you communicate the general idea. Of, all right. So, you know, it's whatever. <laughs> I'd give it, you know, two Yondis. Two, two Yondis. Two Yondis. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, I guess we're opinionated. <laughs> Until next time, guys. We're opinionated. Y'all, y'all are so late. I, I, I did that way earlier. <laughs>